Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV motocross national champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air? All right, yeah, I'm. Uh, and the crazy part is, right now, I'm actually at the hospital. My youngest, my little boy, has uh, croup and the flu, so okay. I'm coming to you live from the hospital. <laughs> okay, well, if otherwise, if it went to works, John, I mean, that would have been fine too. We could have. Uh, we'll get we'll get it done. I know that the fans all want to want to get it done, and they want to hear from me. And I actually would love. I love talking to them, so it's uh, it's time that I get out there and start talking a little bit. What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 63 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase and in stock today at shop.csttires.com. Guys, we're kicking off the offseason with a big one, one of our most highly anticipated episodes to date. Back in February 2020, we sat down with ATV racing legend John Natale. The Iron Man has always put his fans first, and for this conversation, it was no different. While at the hospital with a sick kiddo in typical Natalie fashion, John still wanted to follow through with the interview as scheduled. However, due to iffy reception and the background noise of the hospital, when we listened back following the conversation, we truly didn't think the audio was going to be salvageable. But after a lot of time spent in extensive editing, we finally feel comfortable presenting this conversation to you our loyal listeners. So after anticipation swelled for more than a year and a half, we are proud to give you John Natale on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Before we drop the gate on one of our most highly anticipated episodes ever, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. And remember guys, these companies are prioritizing and valuing ATV racing by partnering with Digging Deep. So if you like what we're doing here, if you love ATV racing just as we do, the best thing you can do then is support these great companies. These companies believe in us, they believe in our beloved sport, and we wouldn't be here without them. So please, if at all possible, show these guys some love. Major thanks to CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Four Works Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads, LLC and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer is next level. As you might have seen on our social media channels last week, this thing has all the necessary bells and whistles to take your shaving experience to the next level. My favorite part about this latest version is the four different length adjustments, so I can get my mustache just the right length. I've been absolutely loving this thing, and you will too. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us and for any products that 
that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. As we transition into the off season, we both know you need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. But before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By accessing Rocky Mountain from our specific link, you get all your gear and parts needs met, while we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end. This is such an easy and convenient way to help us out, so click the Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs this off season. We can't thank you enough for that. We have one reoccurring donor to shout out this week. Thanks to Justin Branham. Thanks so much for the continued support, pal, and congrats on a solid Digging Deep ATVMX fantasy season. In our inaugural ATV Fantasy League season, Justin finished just outside the top 10 in points out of, as you know, out of just over 200 players, and with myself not taking any prizes away from you winners, that will move Justin closer to the top 10 and probably get him into prize contention. It pays to play Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy. As you may have seen up for grabs for our top championship finishers, our prizes like a complete brakes kit courtesy of DP Brakes, a DID ATV2 X-Ring chain, a pair of CSD Pulse MXR white label soft compound rear tires just like Joel had. Patrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, and myself use. Speaking of the fastest ATV racers on the planet, we have a bunch of signed jerseys available as prizes. Major thanks to those riders for helping us out with that. We have a case of oil, Valvoline ATV oil up for grabs, a Manscaped 4.0 kit, uh, SSI decals custom graphics kit designed by you, and the list goes on. So thanks to everyone who played Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy with us. It was so much fun. Congrats to our top finishers again. And I already can't wait for next year. If you didn't play ATV Fantasy in 2021, you truly missed out. So make sure you don't miss out in 2022. So Justin Branham, again, thanks so much, pal. We can't thank you enough and congrats on a good ATV Fantasy season. For anyone interested in donating, you can find the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee donation links on our website. Again, for anyone else who's interested in donating. Thanks so much, guys. Be sure to tune in all the way to the conclusion of this episode. I have a call to action for anyone who is interested in being part of one of these shows in the very near future, so stay tuned for that. But for now, let's get to John Natale. Now, the 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. And now, brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. This guy has basically won everything there is to win in his illustrious and legendary career. He's a two-time AMA ATV Pro National Champion, WPSA ATV Pro Champion, ESPN Great Outdoors Games Champion, and so much more. It's my honor to welcome the Iron Man, John Natale, to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast. What's up, sir? Thanks for coming on. Hey, listen, uh, I'm glad that you could have me. I'm, you know, I'm really impressed with your show. I got to watch a lot of your podcasts and I got to watch a lot of things you do. And uh, I guess not watch, but listen to. And uh, it's something that's really needed for this sport and needed for the people that are out there to, to be able to still, uh, even after they retire or even after races, and they're able to connect with their fans and be able to talk to the people out there and, and uh, maybe somehow kind of keep the momentum going for the next year for even uh, uh, the younger racers coming up and the people that don't have. I guess you would say quite the experience that we have as older racers to, to be able to go on here and, and, and try to get more people interested in our sport. Yeah, I obviously that's uh, humbling to hear that, but it's uh, very meaningful coming from you. And um, 
you know, you're somebody that everybody wants to hear from for one. And, um, you're a guy that, uh, it's pretty exciting even for me because you're somebody that I always looked up to and, uh, kind of growing up and stuff. So, um, really excited to sit down, talk some, some A to B racing, obviously, and kind of, uh, hear your story tonight. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited too. Uh, Again, like I said, I'm coming to you live from the hospital room with my son, so I may be walking around a little bit to get out of people's way. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I mean, there's something that you're going to learn with me real quick because I'm brutally honest, and there's a lot of things that some people won't like and some people will love. But I, I like to tell it like it is. I always have and I always will. It's just uh, the way life should be. And, then, you know, and, and if somebody's feelings actually get hurt, hey, I apologize, but that's the way life is. Well, we uh... – we appreciate you kind of being still willing to do this with what you got going on there. And, uh, you know, for everybody that's listening, um, he said that the the fans really want to hear from him. So he wasn't going to, wasn't going to slow this down anymore or push it back any more days. So um, first and foremost, John, you know, how are you and the family? Obviously not necessarily what's going on right now, but overall, how are you guys doing and how are things uh, over there in PA? Overall, we're doing great. You know, we have two companies going now. And uh, I'm still able to get out and ride once in a while. Um, uh, I got a little boy named Kingston who I'm actually at the hospital now with. It's uh, sick. He, he'll be two next month. Uh, and obviously my two little girls, Lexus and Stassi. Um, of course, my wife. We're all doing really well. The wife uh, is, I guess you would say, kind of my better half, keeping me straight on the business side of it. And uh, uh, I'm always the one that always wants to go big or go home where she says, no, listen, if you go too big, you're going to go home broke. So I, I, she, she's got to keep me in line a lot of the times and, and, and she keeps me going in the right direction. So everything's been going great. You know, I mean, everybody in our family's healthy and that's the main thing when it comes to anything you're doing. So that's, you know, obviously you got the sicknesses, we got the flu and that kind of stuff going around, but I think there's lots of people dealing with that. And, and from your experience and my experience, we've seen things that are a lot worse. So one of the biggest things I've always said, as you know, you complain about not having brand new shoes until you see somebody with no feet. So I'm not doing any complaining right now. Yeah, of course. You're you're hitting the nail on the head there. That's uh that's for certain. My my grandma always said if it stays in the barn, everything's okay. So as long as it stays in the barn, that's a good thing. So uh aside from from family then, uh, what else is keeping you busy other than other than work? You know, just work. I mean, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, I depended on my racing career so much until the money basically fell through in there. And then having two kids and a wife, it was time to move on and get into something. Not, not saying, you know, I never really wanted to retire or stop racing. I still would race if I, if I could do it and actually make a living at it. Um, but when it comes down to it, the most important thing in my life now is family. And uh, the only way that I could see to give them what they needed and what they wanted and obviously what I wanted needed was to move on and, and start some businesses and go out and work hard. And, and that's what we've been doing. And uh, Michelle and I make a great team. We work together and we got lots of people around us uh, that have helped us along the way. So, you know, there's, there's been tons of people and, and racing was something that gave us a background to be able to start this kind of stuff. It, it, uh, it made you know, Hey, look, you know, you got to get up today. You got to get out and do work and there ain't nobody going to do it for you because if you want to be successful, it's time to put your foot in the floor and get your butt out of bed and go to it. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's always fun to kind of break away from the current reality you have and kind of relive some of the, the memories at the racetrack. Um, you know, those memories that are so, uh, so precious to us. So, you know, let's kind of hop right into that. So, you know, when, I guess, did you start riding or, um, and what did, I guess, what did you start riding as well? 
you know, I started riding on a Honda ATC 70. And I believe I was just turned four years old when my parents got that for me. And I, and, and believe it or not, I can still remember uh, it was snowing out. It was Christmas and we went outside. My sister uh, had a 185 Honda and I had a 70 Honda sitting there and uh, we had the open face brain bucket kind of helmets and we put them on and that was the start of it. I did about two million circles around our yard and uh, from then on I was hooked. We'll get right back to the show but now a word from our sponsors and thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you? CST tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATVMX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. 
With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV Motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV Motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship-winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength-to-weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship-level edge. DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID what drives you. We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, Visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. At what point did you get exposed to ATV racing? I mean, kind of bridge that gap for us um, as to where you were first introduced to that. Well, what's crazy is, and I'll go back a a little bit even on that, you know, uh, our family never had money. We were very 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 poor when i was growing up. and uh you know something that was special about getting that three ticket item for us because at the time and i go back to my parents my parents literally gave me the turn off their back because at the time we lived in a, in a single wide trailer that we got for nothing and we put a floor in it out of two by fours and uh you know we didn't have running water we had an outhouse and that's where we lived and, and then when my parents were able to actually my mom worked a couple of jobs. My dad worked two jobs. And when they were actually able to buy some things, they bought for the kids. You know, they didn't ever buy for themselves. And uh, 
then again, we, we got the three wheelers and I actually raced to 70 a few times at a, at a local track and, and it, you know, things got, you know, got wore out and things like that. And, and, and as life went on, uh, that went away. And I always had, uh, and I'm just going to say it, junk stuff that I was able to ride that we were able to keep running. I learned to work on stuff at a young age okay. um, because if, if I didn't know how to work on it, I didn't have nothing to ride. Of course. So, yeah. yeah. And I had old dirt bikes that we find in junkyards and get them running. And I actually had a go-kart that didn't have a motor. We would pull it with a old four wheeler. And that was me and my buddy. That's what we did all the time. And, and then finally, I guess, uh, and this is kind of a, a sad thing to say, but it's something that, that happened in my life. My sister was killed whenever I was 12 years old uh, by a drunk driver. And with her insurance money, what we did is we, we started a recycling business as a family. And we worked hard with, at this recycling business and was able to actually uh, uh, get, a, get a franchise later on. Uh, not too long after we started that, we got a franchise of a Fox's Pizza. So we had actually two businesses so i would work two jobs uh in the summertime i would work at the recycling yard in the mornings and in the evenings i'd work at the pizza shop and then during summer i would work uh at the or i'd go to school and then i'd work at the pizza shop in the evenings and i believe i was about 12 years old it was about the end of my well no i might have been almost 13 it was like the spring or summer i would have turned 13 i got a bench and okay. uh I was all excited and, and there was a local guy, uh, H&H Cycle, and he said, you know, he could build this thing up and we, we did a little motor work to it and didn't know nothing about suspension or tires. I, my first race was actually Steel City okay. and I went to Steel City and I, I entered the, it was actually, it was a BC class that was together and I went out and I was running fourth overall, like the first lap and I come okay. around and I thought, you know, I thought I was doing really well. I thought I was you know, the big shot. And then they had the section down the hill. It was called the stair steps. Okay. And when I was coming down the hill, the, the, you know, how the balloon tires are on your stock tires. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and back then in the Banshee days, they were real bad. Well, I started bouncing side to side and the axle bent and I went flipping the rest of the way down the hill. And, uh, I always say from then on, that was just, that was it. I was hooked. We was able to get back and, and that gave us an excuse to get shocks and, and, uh, axles and tires and things like that. And then, I went on to race in uh, actually uh, the open class a lot more. I didn't get a 250R until after starting the national series. So I raced the Banshee at a lot of local races and it did really well. I actually came through the ranks in a hurry. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, um, so then I guess, again, like bridge that gap for me as to, you know, take me from there starting on your Banshee to, you know, kind of, I don't know. So what, at what point did you start racing the nationals, like chasing the national series? Yeah, that was in 87 that I had that Banshee. It was an 87 Banshee with them J arms on it. Okay. Got yeah. Up really easy. Okay. And, uh, and you know, it, it's hard for me to figure the, the exact year, but I'm wanting to say that it was 89 that I started going to the nationals. And, okay. uh, and I believe it was, man, I don't even remember. I, and one of the things you're going to learn about me is that, I don't base, and I don't know how to say this. I'm not real articulate when it comes to saying a lot of things. Um, I don't base what I've done in my life as, as something that I have to have on a plaque in my corner. Sure. Yeah. That, that, that I've done. And it's, it's, it's great. It was great at the time, but it lasts for 10 minutes and it's on to the next thing. You know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, don't I get think me wrong. The, I'm proud. I'm, I'm proud of it, but I just, I don't live for it. You know what I mean? The, the thing that's cool is I always like to listen to everybody's story because there's people out there, there's kids out there 
who are just like you are on your Banshee, right? And they think yep. that they're light years away from making it, quote unquote. Right. And that isn't always the truth, right? So, I mean, look, right. what, look what you came from. You self-made yourself. And obviously we haven't even gotten to any of your successes at this point, but it's not like with hard work and determination and all these things, like you can get there. So that's why I like to kind of showcase the timeline for people. So, right. um, well, and, that, and that's the biggest thing is like, yeah. And, and I'll step back to that a little bit as a, as a timeline. A lot of these people think that, and this goes for everyday life. This is just something in general that people can learn from. Yeah. You're not going to start something today and be the best at it tomorrow. Right. You know, you got to work at it. You got to get up every day. You got to want it. You're going to be tired. You're going to be sore. And it doesn't matter what it is. None of, none of these people that you look at, the, the you know, Dustin Wimmers or the Chad Wieners or the Joel Hedricks or none of these people woke up one day and went, eh, I'm going to go be a champion tomorrow. No. You know what I mean? And, and nobody sees all the hard work in the off seasons, like especially for the guys that don't have a lot of money, the guys that don't have a lot of sponsors. Uh, you know, I was one of them. We would, you know, we would be uh, going out riding on Saturday, say, hey, we're going to go ride on Saturday and practice. Something would break. You know, you work on it till midnight that night just so that you can go race the next morning and something breaks the next morning and you got to fix it again so you can finish racing. And, I mean, there's so many people that have gone through this, but the ones that can really work at it and stick it out, are the ones that's going to be a champion. Absolutely. No, you're, you're so right. Um, so did you race the, did you chase like the national season or series at all as an amateur? Um, yeah, I did. I, I ran, uh, I want to say I ran the, it was 250, obviously 250 a class. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I ran open a for a while and I believe I won the championship in open a, and then I went to open pro open pro am and I won the championship in open pro am. And I want a four-stroke pro-am somewhere along there. Okay. And, I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that I've won back then. Like I said, don't, not, don't get me wrong. I am super proud of it. But yeah. it's one of the things where I, I just uh, – I don't keep track of it because it's something I've done and I'm proud of it and we're moving on to tomorrow. Of course, yeah. I knew you had won a pro-am championship at some point because I, I just remember – you know, uh, watching some of those old videos and it was, you know, the pro-am champion, John Natale. And, uh, so, so what, so you had a Banshee and I'm sure you were obviously on a 250R at some point in that era, you would have rode a hybrid at some point. Right. right? Yep. Um, so take us through like, and I remember you on a Z 400 when that happened. Yeah. So, so what am I missing there? What else were you on? Well, it was funny. I'll I'll explain something to you about the the 250R. Now, again, we still didn't have a lot of money. We had a couple of businesses. We were doing okay, but we didn't have the kind of money you needed to run. Of course, yeah. You know, it, it, with that kind of stuff. And and me and one of my friends, I, I don't know, I was 13, 14. I think I was 14 or 15 when I got a 250R. Of course, we were lying about my age so that I could race because obviously right. you had to be 16. Yeah. And uh, we decided we were going to, you know, we seen all these really pretty bikes that from out California that would come out wet or out east and, and race that. And I wanted one of these pretty bikes. So my goal was we were going to, do this thing and it was going to be i believe it was going to be like a fluorescent orange and fluorescent green and it was the most messed up colors i've ever seen in my life when we were done with it okay. and uh you know and this is me you know at 14 and 15 and my buddy was 14 and 15 we built this all ourselves and uh i can remember taking this thing the very first time i raced it was down in uh muddy creek down at tennessee muddy tennessee. Creek, tennessee yep. Yep. And a guy by the name of Mark Earhart. I don't know if you remember him. I remember the name, yeah. He, yeah, he's with CT Racing. Alan Knowles yep. and CT Racing, they were there. Okay. And they, 
and, and me and my dad was sitting there watching. And we had an old Ford pickup truck with a cap on it. We put four by fours under so we could raise the cap so we could actually get the bike into the back of the pickup truck. Right. Gotcha. Well, what we would do is we would pull that out and then we'd sleep in the pickup truck at night and chain the bike to the, to the truck, you know? Okay. Yep. And it was outside the truck there. We were sitting in, inside the truck and I just remember Alan Knowles and Mark Earhart come walking by and they were looking at my bike and they was laughing and laughing and, you know, slapping each other on the back. And, and uh, the first moto the next day I went out and I won, I beat Mark and they came back around and they were on their hands and knees looking under the bike and grabbing the bumpers and t- testing the shocks and all that <laughs> stuff. They couldn't, they could not figure out how I beat them. And uh, yeah, they, you know, that, that was one of the things that I remember. And it, it's uh, I always called it my Rocky training. You know, I, I never had the big, brand new punching bags i was hitting sides of beef you know what i mean so right yeah it's, uh, that's what we did and, and and i never made excuses i never said well i don't have what they have i just went i don't care if i have what they have i'm gonna figure out how to do it yeah anybody that knows you obviously knows uh you know what your what your personality is like you know there's nobody that's gonna you're not one of those people that's gonna say you know i don't have what they have and that's uh that's gonna be an excuse for you so um okay right. so, so again 250r that was the 250R story. You had yep. the Banshee. You, I remember you were on a, a 400EX at one point, the Z400 in the pro production years. Were you yeah. on a Cannondale at some point too? Yeah, I, I actually raced for Cannondale. Uh, that's actually where I broke my neck. I did testing and stuff for them, and I ended up breaking my neck for them. So Okay. So that's right before they went out of business. <laughs> okay, yeah, because that was a question that a bunch of people were shooting me, was like, have them talk about Cannondale. I think there wasn't a ton of other big name guys on Canada at the time either, other than you. No, no. I basically, and here's one of the things that everybody can kind of remember about me is, and I don't know if they remember if they've seen it, but I've always wanted the different stuff. I was the first one to ever have Fox shocks. I was the first one to race the Canada. I always wanted the hard stuff, stuff that nobody wanted. And uh-huh. I wanted to make it work. Right. You know, I was the first one to go to Can-Am and ride a Can-Am. Uh-huh. Yep, you, know? you were. Yeah, and it's and it's like uh, we we uh, oh my boy's mad at me, but we uh, I, I I don't know I always wanted to do it that way I always wanted to make something successful that wasn't successful and whether it was me or or what it was it was always always fun to do that and and that's kind of what happened with Canada I went there and uh, I had a lot of good ideas and we had a lot of things and I and I, I tried to work with them and get them to do things the way that I've seen it done not the way that I necessarily did it myself because I never had the funding. Yeah. But the way that I knew that it needed to be done, and they wanted to band-aid too many things. I mean, they wanted, you know, we had tie rod end problems. They wanted to put double nuts on it instead of getting new tie rods, you know, uh, stronger tie rods. Sure. And uh, that's just kind of the, some of the things that happened to them. It's sad that they actually folded and went out of business, but, uh, you know, because that could have been another competitor. But that was a, well, that was a, that was a good machine at the time compared to what you guys were racing, you know, back yeah. then. The problem is, it's kind of like even even what I said with with uh, Can Am. They kind of try to over engineer it. You know, you yeah. got you got the two fifty R, which is your wheel. You know, uh-huh. why yeah. not just get a wheel and make it a little bit different? And use the same wheel because yeah, because there were some things about that Cannondale that were really strong. Um, yeah, it was yeah. like uh, ahead of its time almost some of it. But yeah, you right. can't. It's got to be a complete package. It can't be. Uh, can't band-aid some things and cut corners here and there because you have other pieces that are good so that's right so so and i guess uh we didn't get to that then so at what point did you go pro john uh you know what i believe it was 
2003. Okay. I believe, yeah, I think it was right before the uh, – actually, it might have been a little bit before that. Because I think I ran a pro race at Michigan against Gary Denton and him. Okay. And I'm not sure if it was 2000. That might have been 02 or somewhere. I can't remember when Gary quit. It was might have been even before that. Yeah, I yep. was thinking late 90s. Yep, yep. Because um, you would have raced pro production and done that whole Z400 thing. That would have been early 2000s. Right, yep. And then you would have been on a Yamaha because you switched to Yamaha like whenever that quad came out, right? Like 2003 sometimes. Um, you would have switched to a Yamaha, I think. And then, right. and then probably ran a Yamaha again in 2004. And then I think when you had that such a great year in 2005 was when you first hopped on the Honda. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. 2005. I think I was on the Yamaha in 04 and in 05. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. 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 So, cause it was, um, it seemed like when you, and I, and again, I didn't know exactly how long it had been. Um, you know, when you went pro to when to, you know, 2003, 2004, when you kind of started to get your footing, but when it, when those production quads came out, that's when it seemed like you really kind of found yourself as a racer. And I didn't know if that was purely coincidence or if there was, you know, some relation to, you know, those two acts, because um, obviously you and I and, and everybody else, you know, I've seen, we've seen the interaction with some of the posts I've posted and stuff, but everybody remembers that 2005 season, you know? Right. So, yeah, you know, what's, what's funny is that I'm sitting here thinking and I raced pro whenever it was still TT and motocross with right. five and yeah. five. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, that's when I won the open pro-am championship. Yep. Um, so that would have, that would have been yeah 95 or 96, I believe in that okay. area. And, and, uh, and yeah, it's coming up to the 05 season. I, you know, I had talks with my dad and stuff, and, and a lot of people. My dad had said, you know, if you ever got on a, a good bike, you know, you'd be untouchable. And, okay. Because uh, we always did all our own stuff. And then that's kind of sure. when I got with East Coast ATV, and we did actually some testing, and I was able to ride for not full time, but a lot more time. Because okay. back then, even everybody was riding full time, I was working two jobs. You know, sure. so it was, it was tough. But when I was able to put more time, seat time in and actually get on a good bike, that's whenever it all clicked and came together for me. Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask you that, um, you know, because, I mean, you had been, had little tastes of success, you know, prior yeah. to 2005, but 2005, you, like, you were in your own league that year. You know, you won eight races, and then um, we were talking about it around the dinner table tonight. It was like every race, it was like you just were yarding everybody. You know, you're yeah. three straightaways ahead. So, uh, you know, my question for you, because that was, that was some of 2005 is like one of my very first really vivid memories. You know, I, I watched all the old Wavos videos at the time and the nineties right. and the, the TT racing and everything else. But um, the vividly like watching every single race, 2005 is my, my first real memory of that. And uh, you know, I was trying to figure out like, you know, did he just burst onto the scene and like he surprised himself or he, did he think, you know, did he think, Hey, I'm going to dominate this year. Like I was trying to figure out wh what you would have been thinking prior to that season you had in 2005. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. 
Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed clients' expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. You know, there was a lot that season. If you noticed, that was the first year for Fox Shocks, too. Yeah, yep. And, uh... Everett, Everett Erickson was a guy that invented them, and so him and I together made them what they were. We we basically 
he invented the, the concept and him and I worked together for a long time. A okay. lot of indoor stuff trying to get ready for that. And, and we made a product on it back up out a lot and plus like i said i was able to get on a good motor and a bike that wasn't pieced together from three other bikes um east coast atv and dave gets and they they put together a really good bike and a good program i had a practice bike and a race bike and that was the first year ever for me to have both normally i would race on a you know i'd practice all week on the bike and then go racing on the weekends so. sure 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 so that that makes so much sense now that it was like more apples to apples you know for you and the other guys right than apples to oranges. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and in 2005, you know, it was like that whole year as a whole was the year of John Natale because, you know, you won an array of things, obviously the championship we just talked about, there was a, another handful of things and you also won the ESPN great outdoors games. Um, so tell my listeners, you know, kind of about that and how cool that event was because that was a big deal at the time. That was a really big deal. You know, that was the, the first time we was able to get on ESPN and uh, do something like that. Um, you know, it was really my, my biggest memory of that was one of my toughest competitors there was Bill Balance. Yes. And uh, he was he was smoking fast. And I was able to actually outsmart him, which he returned a favor to me a few times in some GNCCs. But <laughs> I was actually able to outsmart him. It was kind of muddy that day. And we was coming into the corner. And I had the outside. He had the inside. We were to a left-handed corner, and basically, you know, I had I had a bad start. I caught up, and I needed to pass him for the win. And uh, I actually come into the corner wide open, and he knew I couldn't turn until he turned. So he was just going to stay right there. Well, what I did is I pulled the clutch in and revved the bike up. He thought I was on the gas still. He overshot the turn. I ducked underneath and was able to go and win the race. So okay. it was it was uh, that was uh, that was one of the first times I think I actually used my head to win something. <laughs> but yeah talk about i mean like that's sport changing for for atvs to be you know on espn like that and then for you to be the victor and something that was so big had to be had to be pretty huge for you oh it was awesome you know that's something that, that got me into being in video games i was i was approached by rainbow studios after that to be in the video games yeah and uh that, that was really that was a really big deal you know back then you know, they actually paid you to be in a video game back then. So it was, it was a really big deal. Now that now everybody just wants to do it for nothing. So it really isn't worth anything, but uh, you know, I see where they're coming from, but that's one of the problems with, with our sport is the business side of it is very, very weak and very lacking. Um, the guys that are coming in, the guys like uh, David Eller, Rich Gillette and the Fords and all that, they know about business. They know how to take care of business, but the, a lot of the people that are coming in, as racers that don't have a lot of money or they, they don't understand the business side of it, how you got to take some hits and suffer a little bit so that you can get more in the long run. They don't, none of them think about that. They want it all right now. Yeah. So I mean, they, obviously I remember from, you know, all the pro meetings we were in and stuff together, um, you know, in years past where you were kind of leading that charge at the time where you were kind of the voice of the business side of things for us. And, um, yeah, I mean, you're obviously right. The business side of things isn't isn't uh, isn't very strong anymore, and that's why it's not just us. You know, it's across the yeah. board in motorsports. Um, but no, you're you're right. You're you're right with that one for sure. And, and you know, one of the one of the big things is uh, like with the um, WPSA and, and some other groups. I mean, there there was there's a lot of was a lot of potential there. The problem is like even with the WPSA. 
the guy that was running that had a great season, a couple of great years. He takes off, takes the money, steals the money and runs and basically screws everybody. So there's a greedy person that screwed us again. Mm-hmm. So then we go into, and, and, and don't get me wrong. I love Coombses and all them guys, but they're in it for the business. Okay. I was in it because I love the sport. Coombs is earning to make money and don't get me wrong. That's what you're supposed to do as a business owner. Yep. But to make money, sometimes you have to lose a little bit of money to make it grow, to gain your money later on. One of the, and I'll give you an example. When I started our excavation and demolition business, we had no experience. I mean, I was good with equipment and all that. We had no, no experience in demolition, nothing. So I went, one of our biggest jobs ever is a million dollar job. And we went in, there's no way that we should have been allowed to even bid this thing, let alone get it. I went in and fronted, told so many stories, spent so many rules, and acted like the big shot, acted like I knew what I was doing, acted like I had million-dollar backers behind me. They didn't know the difference. I got the job, got it done, and now we're setting really good. And that's kind of one of the things I, I said to, to the promoters. I don't know if you were there. And they said, look, you know, you got to tell these big sponsors, you've got TV time, but we don't have it. It don't matter. You're going to buy it. If you, if you, for instance, we got a Walmart. Say, hey, Walmart, we got uh, 40 hours of prime time on ESPN. Walmart's in. They give you the money. Then you go from them and you go over and say, hey, we need to buy 40 hours of prime time on ESPN. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to take that chance. I'm like, well, then if something happens and you don't, you don't, you just go back and say, look, sorry, the deal fell through. Here's your money back. But I, I don't know. Obviously, maybe I don't understand business as much as I think I do. But that's, that's how I started our business, both of them actually. And uh, it's, uh, it's always worked out so far, but you got to have that confidence. And just like racing, you got to have that confidence in yourself to be able to take it to the next level, to be able to make it succeed and, and never have that thought in your mind, oh man, I, I can't do this because you can do anything yeah, as long yeah. as you set out and get it done. Absolutely. The one thing that, um, you know, you're obviously hitting the nail on the head is that anybody that's very extremely successful in anything is somebody that's not uh, falling in line with all the people that are also doing that same thing. So you have to do something different. The one gripe I would say for sure that there's no debate about um, for all the years that I was around at least was, you know, you there needs to be like more publicity you need to put more of this stuff out there because it can be happening right underneath your nose and you're not right no you're not even knowing that it's going on and obviously you know there's like you're not trying to be negative i'm not trying to be negative it's like this was your life's work you're just looking at wanting it to be better wishing it was more and i always get questions um by people wondering why the WPSA failed and it wasn't a failed uh it wasn't a failed experiment you know it was it was wildly successful at the time but like you said when this guy runs and then everybody's yep. got a piece in their mouth and everybody kind of gets screwed and everybody's sitting there and then it just never happens again you know it's exactly like, it's just it's just the course of events that like what do you do you know well it's one of those things and, and I know you was in some of the meetings where I said to to the promoters, I said, look, guys, why don't we do kind of like what the WPSA did? We, we have a, a terror cross race with the four-wheel drive stuff and everything because that's what brought the factories in because they had something to sell. They had something there. And then when the factories were there, and this is why Can-Am come in. They, they started to like, oh, well, hell, you know, let's get this 450 out there, yeah. you know, and, and get it running. And it's like I was always told, well, it's too much work. We need more security. We, who cares? 
You know what I mean? Get more security. Get the more people that you got to have working. That's that's the whole point of growing a business. But when you look on the flip side of it, when you when you have a series like the bike series, it's making you one, two, three million dollars a weekend, and it's a it's a cookie cutter series. You know they're coming. You know the people's coming. You don't even have to advertise it, so you don't have to put any money into it. Absolutely. As yep. as the business owner, why would they? want to bust their butts to go over here and make 50, 60 grand on a weekend when they're making $3 million the next weekend. You know no, you what I mean? Can't, you can't fault you can't them, blame them but, for it. Yeah. Right. You're exactly right. Yep. But the, the one thing that does upset me about it is, okay, if that's the case, how about bring somebody new in that's hungry, that doesn't have the million dollar, $2 million business on the other end and let them build this into a business. Well, that's the thing too that, um, you know, always uh, about you that I'd like people to understand is you were always looking at it from that kind of unbiased, different perspective where you were willing, you were saying, well, why don't we do, why don't we change the racing structure? Why don't we do this and that and the other thing differently? We don't have to have it be the same as it's always been um, right. for the betterment of the series. That was always your perspective, not for John Natale. It was right. for the sport as a whole. So, and, that, and that's, and that's one of the things I pride myself on more than any championship or more than anything I've won. Okay. Is I, my word is my word. I've done deals on a handshake and I never go back on my word. And this is what I was trying to get through to them is, 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 you know, let's make something happen. It doesn't have to be for me. Let's make it fair for everybody, but let's make the whole sport grow because here's what, here's what happens if you can make everything grow, everybody benefits. Now, if one person's greedy and they get everything themselves, okay, so you get everything for one year. What about the next 15 years? Right. You know what I mean? What, what about whenever you retire from the racing series and you want to start your own business, uh, your motor business or your shock business or your parts business, and there's nobody to sell to because you screwed it up 10 years ago because yep. you were selfish and wanted that 100 grand in one year instead of taking 50 grand over two years. Exactly. Yep. You know, and, and, and that's what people don't understand. I never, of course, I wanted to benefit. I wanted to make stuff. Everybody does. But I never wanted to be greedy. I wanted it to grow big so that I had something later on to go back and do. We're literally sitting here talking about this because we still love the sport, you know, so. Well, and that's it. I, I've, and that's, I've always been an advocate for the sport. I haven't been there for, what, four years? And I still want to try to help and make things grow. I mean, of we're course. doing things on the back end down to West Virginia, partnering in me with Hatfield McCoy Trails, trying to come up with things yeah. to still make it grow. Um, and I really have no benefit from it, except for the fact that I put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears over the years and, 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 and my family and just so many memories into it that I really do – want to make it grow to give everybody else that chance to have that, that experience that I've had. Yeah. I mean, being a racer and doing the things I did made me who I am today. And, you know, contrary to some people's beliefs, I think I'm a pretty good guy. <laughs> right. No, I think you're, you're absolutely right. That's what I said earlier. It's your life's work. So, um, yeah this, this sport made you who you are. And then, and then obviously you went on to, to do that much more. Bikes, Trikes and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs from hard parts to riding gear. 
Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard to find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. Um, let's go back to you, John. So you're, so you're, you 2005, you win everything, right? You're on top of the world, win everything in sight, fastest man on the planet, blah, blah, blah. What happens in 2006? Well, I was started out on fire. I was doing good again. Joe and I were battling. I was leading the points. I would have whipped his ass like I always do, but, <laughs> but uh, I ended up uh, having an issue and my bike cut out over a jump at none other than Steel City. Okay. And I ended up breaking my thumb. So that day I wasn't willing to give it in yet. So I went over to Doc Reagan, who was there, and I said, shoot it up, Doc. So he numbed it up, yep. and I was able to run the second moto. And I believe I got third or somewhere in the second moto, so I was still in the points lead. And when I went home, I couldn't take it anymore. I went to the hospital. I ended up having to have surgery and uh, had a tendon that got ripped off. I had to have pins and, play, and all kinds of stuff put in. So I was out for the season, so it took me out for 2006. Okay, so so that happens in 2006. It's kind of a scrapped year, um, just with everything that yep. played out there. And then it's kind of back to your winning ways in 2007. Um, we just talked about the WPSA a little bit, but you know that was obviously the most prestigious championship to win on the planet in 2007 yep. on an ATV. So, um, kind of tell us about that WPSA Super Quad Pro 450 Championship in 2007. Then, 
you know, it was awesome. I mean, it was uh, like a, they made you feel like a rock star. When you pulled up, they had drinks waiting there for you, umbrellas there for you. They had everything. I mean, you were it whenever you showed up at that race. And uh, and it didn't care. didn't care whether you were the first place rider or the last place rider. You were all treated the same and treated like rolling, which was amazing. And uh, uh, I actually did really well. It, and listen, the guys that I was racing, I mean, you had Doug Gust, Dustin Wimmer, Josh Kramer. Uh, God, I can't even remember who – just so many fast guys, Jeremy Loss. I mean, everybody could win. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And it, and it was like it wasn't. It was a hard season. Of and, course. And uh, we were able. We were able to pull it off. We were able to be the the champions of the. I believe it was the inaugural WPSH series. Second. I think year. I second, know, second, second year. Second year. Second year. Yep. Yep. So, but yeah, cause you, you were kind of, you had to sit out kind of that first year of that, obviously, uh, yep. with the thumb issue, you win 2007 and you were affiliated with, with Honda at the time, right? Yep. Yep. Honda. I was still sponsored by Honda. There was a full blown sponsorship in okay. 06 and 07. And okay. then, uh, after that, I, I don't even remember what happened after that. I think Honda kind of backed out of the sport altogether. Uh, yeah, I thought, if I remembered correctly, I thought that you were kind of the the last man standing with that Honda thing. And then um, kind of once again, like you're on top of the world, you win this championship, you're only really, you know, a year or whatever in between, you know, this, this 2007 championship WPSA, and then you're not that far away from the, the dominant 2005 season. And then you decide that you're going to take your talents to Can-Am. And you kind of started to tell us about, you know, you're not going to do it the easy way. You want to do it on something new, something a little more difficult. Give yourself a challenge. So take us through that, um, you know, kind of that decision to go to Can-Am and be the first Can-Am rider. Because just like you said, the whole series at the time, the whole sport was full of all these factory rides and there was, you know, Suzuki and Kawasaki and Polaris and Honda, you know, before you transitioned out of there and now there's Can-Am. So talk about that decision yep. to go there. Yeah. You know, it was awesome because uh, I, I talked to him a lot of the WPSA races and I was able to fly up the Valku in Canada and, and meet with them. And I was really excited about the fact that it was a new product and it was, it was something that was a little bit different and, and, and exciting. But the, the main thing was the people, um, when I was up there and I met with Bernard D and uh, a bunch of the people that were up there, they were all so genuine and just, you couldn't go to Honda and meet with people like that. You know what I mean? Sure. They, yeah. they really wanted it to, to be good. They wanted everything that to happen, obviously not only for their business, but they were just good people in general. And uh, I was excited about that. And we, and we was able to come up with a deal and I got on the uh, Warner Canyon racing team. And uh, you know, the first couple of years was a struggle. There was a lot of issues that we had to, uh, it wasn't that there was issues with the bike, but to make it to the level of what we needed it to be, there are some things that we had to change around because with their test riders and things they had, they didn't have the talent and speed that was in the AMA series. Sure. So when you, when you take something like that, I mean, it's like taking a, a Lumina, a Chevy Lumina and putting a thousand horsepower in it. There's going to be some things you got to do to make that of thing course. handle. Of course. You know, yeah. So that, that's what we had to do with it. And once we were able to get a lot of that stuff done, when things started turning around, and uh, I was able to get with Johnny Leach, who, by the way, is one of my good friends and probably one of the best sponsors I've ever had in my entire life as just an amazing man. The guy, the guy, the guy, there's so much more to him than just Johnny Leach, the DWT owner, Johnny Leach, the team owner. Okay. Amazing. The guy gets up at four o'clock in the morning, doesn't go to bed till one o'clock in the morning and, and just makes it happen all day long. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I learned a lot from him and it was amazing being able to surround myself with him and the success that he was able to have, which is one of the things that I, I attribute to uh, uh, me being able to do the things that I do today. But back on the other note, to get with his team, he didn't take no for an answer. He wanted to win. And that's what we did. We hired some of the best in the business with Casey Greek and, and some of the other guys. And uh, we was able to take that thing from a, a, a sixth, seventh, eighth place bike and turn it into a championship. Yeah. When Casey was on the show, he talked about how hard you guys worked to get that quad, you know, kind of to be at the level it was, it, it ended up being at. And he said, you know, that there was at the very, you know, kind of end of your Can-Am riding career there that, you know, you would have almost chose that quad over anything, especially the way that it handled. Um, but yeah, I mean, all that hard work kind of, kind of paid off because yeah, there was some trying years there. Um, but finally in mid 2010, so it would have been two and a half years into, into riding the Can-Am that you got your first, you know, win for Can-Am at, at, uh, Pleasure Valley in your home state there, um, in Pennsylvania. And that had to be a pretty special day after all that hard work. Cause you know, like you said, like it's kind of, you were on a, uh, natural progression with Can-Am very similar to Suzuki didn't just come out and set the world on fire with their new quad. Honda and Yamaha didn't, you know, necessarily, you know, it was a new quad for the generation, but you had to work the bugs out. You work all the bugs out on a bike that you kind of developed with those guys by yourself. Like that had to be as meaningful a win as you ever had after all that hard work. It definitely was. It was, it was amazing just to, to see the fruits of our labor, so, so to speak, on, on to come out like that. And uh, especially in my hometown, you know, that, that was right. really cool because I had a lot of friends and family there. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it was really exciting because like you said, we put so much work into it and I put so much work into it and time into it that I, I considered it my bike too, as much as it was theirs. Of course. And, uh, you know, I was excited about that. And like I said earlier, I'm always excited about bringing new product in and new things in and, and making it work because that's the way I live my life. When somebody tells me you can't is whenever I make it happen. And uh, that's what we've done all the time in my racing career, and that's what we've continued to do after racing. But, uh, you know, that, that win was amazing. And then to top it off the next year, and I'm probably getting ahead of you on this one, but to top it off the next year with the championship, I mean, I was the first one to ever win on a pro Can-Am. I was the first one to ever win a championship, pro championship on a Can-Am. First yep. and only one to ever win a pro championship yep. on a Can-Am. And that's exciting. I mean, you know, I've, I've had so many firsts in my career that, that I'm so excited. There's things that'll never, never be broken. Like I was the first one to win on the Can-Am. I was the first one to win for championship in the Can-Am. I was the first one to win under the lights at balance. I was the first one to win a Daytona Supercross. I mean, there's, and I can go on with so many things like with the, with the great outdoor games and, and some of the things that Wes Miller did with H-Bomb. There's just so many things that, that can never be broken. It's, it's just awesome. Absolutely. There's only uh there's only one first for everything. And uh, that was kind of the way I always looked at you is you were like a gamer when it came to those big one-off, you know, kind of winner take all type of deals. Like that was always the event where John Natalia was going to shine. And like you said, you know, you get that win and then it kind of rolls right over and into the next season there. And you, you know, you, you win, I think you won three races that year, but you win the championship. And, uh, and I think, didn't you like overcome? Weren't you like a little hurt that year or something? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. yeah. The crazy part about that was, is uh, 
we had a barn fire and we had a couple of horses that got yes burn yes. up and yes. uh, we was actually trying to save the horses and i got kicked in the arm and it broke my arm i remember and, uh, this and i told i was like oh crap this was on uh, uh i believe it was a thursday night and i was like crap so i go to the hospital they're like well we don't know if we're going to do surgery or not so i'm like crap my season's over you know and I was leading the points and I think me and Chad were close and, and uh, we were way out front of everybody. And I got a call the next day from Casey said, Hey, uh, Chad just broke his back. I'm like, what? I'm like, you know, that was obviously devastating news. That sucks for him. You know, I thought, Oh my God, he's going to be paralyzed. Whatever. I found it was okay. Well, the next day I went to the doctors. I said, Hey, you got to put a plate in my arm. They said, what? I said, you got to put a plate in my arm. They said, why? I said, because I got a race to race this weekend. And this was on, uh, actually, I think it was on a Monday. And uh, they said, you, you can't do that. I said, listen, I said, you either put it in there or I'm going there and racing with this broken arm the way it's set up. And uh, uh, I said, I'm going to race this. So long story short, they put a, they put a plate in on uh, Ohio. And I was able to, I think I got third in, overall in that race. And that was basically, long story short, what security championship went Okay. Yeah. I knew, I knew you had dealt with some stuff there, um, that season. And, and I, you know, I wondered if being that it was on the Can-Am being that you had, you know, went through all of these, uh, kind of hardships and stuff, if that championship was even, you know, more meaningful than the first, cause even though the first was, uh, your first, obviously, but this one, um, being the first for Can-Am and after all the stuff you had to overcome, had to be so meaningful. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And like I said, there were so many things that, that fell into place that year. I mean, with, with Chad getting hurt and way I got hurt and then Chad getting hurt and all the things coming together. Um, it was, it was just amazing. I was able to win the championship, but you know, having a good team behind me with uh, Johnny Leach and, and, and all those guys and, and with Can-Am and everybody there, um, it made my life a lot easier with that. So, you know, no matter what happened, they always had my back and, and that made it really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I made it, made it to the point where I, and, and I never, did I lose you? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. What's going on? Is there, is there a way that we can, And so there's postpone the rest of this for later or do a part two of course we can yeah 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 if that works that works for me uh, hang on a minute here let me get over here by a window you got me Let's yeah i got go you I'll, I'll write to you and then and then we can do a part two that's perfect john that's awesome i gotta go take care of the kiddo please do yeah please do that's priority of course yeah all okay. Right. Well, that sounds good, buddy. I appreciate you letting me come in on this and then uh, I'll get hold of you tonight or write me tonight or tomorrow. That sounds we'll good. We'll figure out a part two for this. That sounds great. Thanks so much. All right, buddy. And thanks everybody out there for listening. We really appreciate it. Wishing you all the best. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. And just like that, it was over.
I was left wanting so much more, and I'm sure you're sitting there feeling the exact same way. So here's hoping this conversation, finally going live, will prompt another sit-down with the legend. But we're stoked that we made this one happen. We worked our asses off to roll out something that was listenable for you guys. So uh, super stoked that we were able to pull that off. Major thanks to tonight's guest, Mr. John Natale. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our latest reoccurring donor, Justin Branham. You're the man. Thanks to our partners, CST Tires, shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID racing chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back National Champ merch, and more are all available today at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to help support us. I mentioned there would be an opportunity for anyone wanting to be a part of a future episode, and here's your chance, guys. In the very near future... We're going to do a listener stories and questions episode. So whether you want to tell a story about a crazy race, an interaction you had with your favorite rider, or a question you want us to answer or discuss, call our voicemail line and we'll feature it on the show. You can call our voicemail line anytime at 920-569-3519. I'd prefer you call in, but if you're not feeling that, you can always email or message them to us as well. So I ask, please participate, guys. We're going to try to do something a little different here and I think it could be so much fun. Finally, follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, coverage, and more throughout the offseason. As for the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links, and discount codes, or show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com. So check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend. Please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for John Natale, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen, thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, 3 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad leaders are freaking gnarly. That was tough.